No, no, go ahead. Bring bring all the bring all the musicians into this room. Yeah. No, I, it's okay. It's okay. We'll cram them all in. Yep. Get the composer in here. Shout out to Deborah Lurie for creating just a majestic, wonderful intro to the first ever episode of Kaleidoscope Radio. Let's go ahead and begin in five, four, three, two, one. Blast off. What's up, world? Welcome to the first ever episode of Kaleidoscope Radio. If you have no idea what Kaleidoscope Radio is, well, you haven't missed much. In fact, you've only missed maybe four seconds. So Kaleidoscope Radio is a culmination of artists coming together to talk about the art of storytelling. I'll be pulling examples from different types of literature, fiction, Film, television, graphic novels, and of course, video games. Because, hey, why not? We're bringing it all in. It's a kaleidoscope. It's a culmination of different styles. We're also going to be bringing in authors, playwrights, graphic novelists, maybe even some video game designers. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're a designer and you're creating stories, then I'm going to want to hear from you. Come on in. We'll interview you. We'll talk about the craft and the art of storytelling. We'll talk about why it's important, and I'm really excited because I've been talking about stories almost my whole life. If you don't know who I am, my name is Jonathan Hernandez. If you're not following me already, then you're definitely like, who is this guy? Why is he the expert to tell stories? And I'm going to tell you, ouch, that hurt my feelings. But I will say that I've been working on stories and storytelling ever since 2005, that's 15 years of experience there, baby. I've been doing so much of this. Not only that, I've learned a ton from experts around the world. These artists have helped me in so many ways. They were my mentors. They were my companions, my compatriots. I've learned how to be a better performer, how to be a better speaker, storyteller. It's definitely worth you tuning in to listen to this. So I want to bring to you Uh, a lot of different companions and colleagues that I've worked with along the way. We're going to share a ton of information here and not only go through, you know, why we like stories, but we're going to talk about what makes a story important, what makes it impactful, narration styles, aesthetics, character development, turning points, elements and symbolism. And if you're new to storytelling and you're kind of like, Jonathan, what does this mean? What does any of this mean? Hey, I'm right there with you, but I'm going to teach you. And along with my guests and fellow artists, we're all going to get to that next level and develop and refine and hone in our craft of storytelling. So tune in every week. It's going to be really fun and engaging, and I'm ready to get started. So 
We're going to do a quick commercial break because it's definitely important to take breaks during this. So go ahead and you know get yourself some tea or some coffee, depending on what time of day you're listening to this. And let's go ahead and get get into it. Let's get into this. Yeah. All right. Cue the cue the ad. just listening to the intro music. Well, that's embarrassing. Anyway, we're going to get back into it. We're going to jump in right away. Feet first, head first, head head and toes, head and shoulders, knees and toes first. I want to share with you why I write, why I consider myself a storyteller. And I remember getting this piece of paper from my undergrad back in 2004, I believe. And I t- it's called The Playwright, Responsibilities and Analysis. And after reading this, I just, I was like sold on it. And I felt like, yeah, this is why I like to write. So why write a play? In addition to the joy all writing gives, writing a play has other advantages. One is the extreme satisfaction of seeing your work performed. A second advantage is the fascination of observing other people as they see your work unfold before them. The author of a story or book is rarely nearby with when their work is read. They have no way of knowing how the readers enjoy the different parts, but a playwright, the person who writes the play, can attend a performance of his play and actually watch the audience react to his work. Another reason for using your writing talents and energies on a play is that, for better or worse, the world is moving more and more towards a performance-oriented society and away from a reading-oriented one. Many more people will go to see a well-written play or a movie than will read a well-written book. I don't know if I agree with that completely, but definitely, I mean, I was raised on watching movies and going to see theater and, and performances and stuff like that. So that author is right on me. But yeah, that might be not the case with you. FYI, ever wonder why the creator of the play is called a playwright and not a playwriter? Plays are much more than just writing the words to a script. It includes setting, scenery, and props, and a whole host of other things that all go together to build and create slash write a production. Write, W-R-I-G-H-T. And so one of my plays that I wrote, Miho, is a drama, and I got the inspiration to write it after I went to go see this play called Long Day's Journey Into Night, written by Eugene O'Neill. I saw that play in Ashland, Oregon in 2014. I just finished grad school, and it was... Well, I wrote a lot about Eugene O'Neill, actually. He was definitely one of my inspirations of writing, period. Him and Sam Shepard, 
they have this uh, American tales, uh, and I really like <laughs> I really like that kind of stuff. So that was something that really gravitated towards. I love that it was about this family dynamic and this this drama between brothers and their father and this father had this hopelessness about him and the mother was on morphine if you haven't read the play i definitely recommend it it's it's pretty awesome and long but if you have the capacity to read long fiction plays then go for it i i endorse it or read my play my play is not as long (laughs) this is a this is a plug for my play um but i had this this compelling feeling of like, I want to write stuff like this. It it pulled to me about the family dynamics, behavior, masculinity. And this is where it comes in with responsibilities. Now, the responsibilities in that little section that I wrote was about, you know, the responsibilities of a set and costumes and things like that. But there's also a responsibility of what am I trying to say? What do I want people to know? What do I want people to walk away with? Now, there's playwrights and there's plays that are out there that are just entertaining as all hell, and you can have a lot of fun watching that. And there are certain stories that I know that are in within me that I want to share that really have a, a message. And that is storytelling right there. It's about a message that you want to say. It's about meaning and you're crafting meaning. But the beauty of it, I think maybe some people think, why don't you just say what you mean? I have a friend of mine who is not as much into storytelling as I am. And she would say a poem or read something and just say, well, why don't they just write what they mean? And it's, I I love her to death. Uh, And if she's listening, I hope she's not offended by that. But the way that you you tell stories, we tell stories because we want to make an impact. And the best way to make an impact is to create a memorable thing. And the best way to create something memorable is to create meaning behind it. And the best way to do that is through stories. But also, too, there's some, some tools here. One thing that comes to my mind is symbolism. You can create and develop a lot of meaning through symbolism. It's almost as if it's programmed into our brain, like... I remember watching a play and they used the color red a lot throughout. And I believe it was probably Romeo and Juliet. And that, I mean, love is made in Romeo and Juliet. Love is written in the play. I think the most, out of all the stories that Shakespeare wrote, I believe love is written in there like over a hundred times actually. And so, and they used colors and they use images to kind of display to program into us. It's fascinating stuff there. I also have another point that I want to make before I forget. I got to say this. I also love that it's dialogue driven. So as I was saying before, there's like a human need that's being shared. Communication wise, there's a dialogue here. There's people being emotional. Um, Both characters who have two different perspectives are wanting something. They're either uh, desiring them or desiring an outcome that they're not getting. And I find that just incredible because that's kind of how we live. We all are craving something, whether it's on an emotional level, uh, a human needs level, or a material level. We, we all want something. And so that is why I enjoy the art of storytelling in, in the form of playwriting. Now, uh, I do love film, and I've 
taking my stab at screenwriting. There are some different tricks and and trades there. It's a visual medium, so you get to use a lot more visual aesthetics there. And we're going to grab some some uh, screenwriters and and directors to talk to you more about it as the years as the months go. And I'm really enjoying that that process as well. So as I'm talking to you, what do you like? Do you like watching movies? Are you a book reader? Are you, do you like reading plays? What drives you to a specific story? And I'm curious to know that. And if you'd like to leave a, an email and tell me something about, you know, what your favorite story is, maybe we can do um, a analysis as to why you like that particular story and what catches your, your eyes or your ears for that. You can go ahead and email me at Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, it's like Joe Nathan, Jonathan.D as in David, dot Hernandez, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, 12, the number, 1-2, at gmail.com. Again, that's Jonathan.D dot Hernandez, 12, at gmail.com. We're going to take another break here. I believe we have another ad coming. And when we get back, we'll be talking more about the art of storytelling. I did it again, didn't I? I just realized we don't have another sponsor. I want to read to you an excerpt from the play that I mentioned, A Long Day's Journey Tonight. And just to give you a little bit of context for the scene, Edmund is the youngest son of the Tyrone household. Uh, Edmund is drinking with his father, Tyrone. There's two Tyrones. There's a Tyrone Sr. and a Tyrone Jr. Tyrone Sr. and Edmund are drinking, and Edmund is diagnosed with tuberculosis. Now, Tyrone Sr. wants to send him to a second-rate sanatorium because Tyrone is a, is a little bit of a cheapie. He's a cheap, cheap individual. He's a penny pincher, I think that's what they call him. Back in them days, you're a penny pincher. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And um, on another note, too, Edmund, who has tuberculosis, has also in an earlier scene had a dialogue with his brother and his brother wished that he was dead so i'll be sharing you this scene of what took place when edmund is talking to his father tyrone and there are a few things i want you to listen out for uh one is just the imagery that i'll be speaking of and the other one is that emotional turmoil that this young boy has for his father Here we go. This is Edmund speaking to Tyrone. You've just told me some high spots in your memories. Want to hear mine? They're all connected with the sea. Here's one. When I was on the squarehead square rigger, bound for Buenos Aires, full moon in the trades, the old hooker driving 14 knots, I lay on the bowsprit, facing astern with the water foaming into spume under me. The masts with every sail white in the moonlight, towering high above me. I became drunk with the beauty and singing rhythm of it. And for a moment, I lost myself 
actually lost myself. I was set free. I dissolved in the sea, became white sails and flying spray, became beauty and rhythm, became moonlight and the ship in the high dim starred sky. I belonged without past or future, within peace and unity and a wild joy, within something greater than my own life, or the life of a man, to life itself, to God, if you want to put it that way. Then another time, on the American line, when I was lookout on the crow's nest in the dawn watch, a calm sea that time, only a lazy groundswell and a slow, drowsy roll of the ship. The passengers asleep and none of the crew in sight. No sound of a man. Black smoke pouring from the funnels behind and beneath me. Dreaming, not keeping lookout, feeling alone. And above. And apart. Watching the dawn creep like a painted dream over the sky and sea which slept together. Then the moment of ecstatic freedom came. The peace, the end of the quest, the last harbor, the joy of belonging to a fulfillment beyond men's lousy, pitiful, greedy fears and hopes and dreams. And several other times in my life when I was swimming far out or lying alone on a beach, I've had the same experience. Became the sun, the hot sand, Green seaweed anchored to a rock, swaying in the tide. Like a saint's vision of beautitude. Like the veil of things as they seem drawn back by an unseen hand. For a second, you see, and seeing the secret are the secret. For a second, there is meaning. Then the hand lets the veil fall, and you're all alone. Lost in the fog again and you stumble on toward nowhere, for no good reason. It was a great mistake, my being born a man. I would have been much more successful as a seagull or a fish. As it is, I will always be a stranger who never feels at home, who does not really want and is not really wanted, who can never belong, who must always be a little love with death. There you have it. It's a very powerful monologue, and uh, I, I can't highlight enough. I, I love this character. Uh, he's the, the youngest of the family. He's the peacekeeper. Tries to, he's the glue that keeps that family together. And he's also, I believe Eugene O'Neill used this character to create a sense of um, personability because I think if that character did not exist it would feel insanely melodramatic and um, and stylized. And so this kind of keeps it grounded. And it's about this young man who is just looking for his place. And uh, he's on the brink of death anyways, and so he's that's why he feels like he's always connected with it. I'm curious to know what you thought about that and if there are any stories out there that you gravitate towards that maybe you just love to read or have a a knack for just gravitating towards a specific scene or a moment if you do feel free to send them to me you could even record yourself and we'll put it on the podcast somehow some way i don't know how to do that but somehow some way 
Next week, I want to talk to you about different plot lines and story structure. You may have heard the term the hero's journey, and if you haven't, well, then you're really going to want to listen to this next week because I'll talk to you about that. And we're going to touch on why that's the most conventional structure. And I'm also going to share with you a few different types of story structures. So congratulations. You made it through the first episode of Kaleidoscope Radio. It's an honor. Thanks for being with me. I want to extend some gratitude to you. It's been a pleasure being with you. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and this is Kaleidoscope Radio asking you, What's your story?